1: Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, I am in the boardroom of Alfie Best who's a Roman gypsy and has built an empire of 350 million pounds, starting work and business at the age of 10. Uh, in his boardroom here are all the sites that he owns. He owns big commercial properties. He owns golf courses. He's just bought a brand new helicopter. I think you're going to love this interview. There's lots of insights. He's a very real down-to-earth guy. So welcome to the podcast with Alfie Best. Alfie, I just want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, just know, I know you're very busy, as we okay. all are. Yeah. Um, this is I've never asked a question to start like this, and it, I feel it's a bit random, but I'm going to ask it. So um, do you think being born on the side of a road <laughs> has shaped the way you are as a person and a businessman? Uh,
2: no, I don't. Uh, not at all. I don't think it really matters where you're born. Yeah. Um, I think it's the journey of the life that shapes you. Mm. So... Whether that had a part of the journey that I was on, of course it did. Yeah. But actually, the the, the you know where you're born, in my opinion, you know what's in you in you. Yeah. Um, I get asked a lot of the time. Do I think it's um, nurture?
1: Right. Um, That's an interesting one. You know, yeah.
2: nurture, nature or nurture that um, creates entrepreneurs. Mm. I don't particularly see myself as an entrepreneur. Right. I see myself that uh, somebody that is an artist. Mm. I love what I do and I'm painting my own canvas. Mm. I'm just very lucky to have a lot of other artists around me who are my team yeah. that are as good as me, if not possibly even better, mm. in their own fields and area. Yeah. And um, we're painting... You know, we're painting a picture within the business that we do. And I think uh, we're making a pretty good landscape of it.
1: Great. So you've um, sparked two questions in me already that aren't on my script, which is the way I prefer it anyway. So the first thing is this nature versus nurture thing in entrepreneurs. I have a pretty strong opinion. I'm sure you have. I'd love to hear yours. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or entrepreneurs are made?
2: I think we're all born differently. And, uh, the, the word entrepreneur is bandied around way too much, right? in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, By podcasters like me, probably. <laughs> well,
2: no, no, no. I think w- w- we use the word entrepreneur. None of us really understand exactly what it is. Mm. You know, is it a man that, that operates one business? Yeah. Does that make him an entrepreneur? Mm. That he's successful at that one business that he does? Right. Or is it? Somebody that operates many different businesses and can, you know, operate from one field to another. In my opinion, that's what a true entrepreneur is. Right. A true entrepreneur is somebody that can spread their wings Mm. and not only are they successful in one field, they're successful in others. Yeah. There are, and, and, you know, to confuse the two, one is a businessman, one is an entrepreneur. Right. There's no, Big difference in how successful they can both be. Yeah, um, but the difference is, you know, one guy is has been successful at one thing that he's done in his life. That's fantastic. That's mm. great. Yeah, you know, but there are other people that are successful on a multifaceted level. Mm. To me, that's a true entrepreneur. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you've, got, I mean, you've got golf courses. You've got. Uh, plenty of parks and homes you've got a a business empire you've had car businesses mobile phone businesses so you must be an entrepreneur
2: uh i would i I would (laughs) i believe that i'm an entrepreneur um there's still a long way to go in life Mm. for me to prove that yeah you know uh i've still got to get to the end of the term and be successful you know, what you see now um, is successful. Yeah. Well, we're only halfway through the game. Mm. A lot can change. Yeah. And anybody that thinks that they've made it, anybody that thinks that they're successful, that's great. But what they've got to remember is you're successful at that given time. Mm. And there are plenty of successful people that have fallen over. Yeah. Um, including myself. Mm. Including myself. But it's about taking the hardest knocks and the smallest knocks and becoming more knowledgeable from them. Yeah. And not treating them as a downslide, treating them as a college education. Mm. Because that's what you got. You got a degree in that backslide.
1: Yeah. Right. So I like that. You mentioned something earlier about. Um, yes, you're an entrepreneur, but also you're not finished and you've still got a long way to go. Can that be a curse sometimes for an entrepreneur that you want to become successful and you want to do good and make a difference and make some money along the way, but you never quite feel like you've made it as well? I
2: live in fear. Yeah. It's fear that drives me. Not, um, you know, I I had a a friend of mine who I regard as very successful. He said, what on earth are you worried about? I said,
0: tomorrow.
2: Mm. I said, tomorrow. Um, and look, we, we have a lot of companies. We're looking within the next 18 months, we will take Wildcrest um, to the market. Um, is it something that I plan to do? No. It's been actually a gradual build-up, but we, I, or I believe that we're groundbreaking in what we're doing. We're the only park operator that is ISO nine thousand and one registered that's ever, ever existed.
0: Mm.
2: We're the largest residential mobile home park operator that operates in Europe that's ever been. Mm. So we're not the largest, we're the largest has ever been. We also have a home authority agreement with the fire department, a home authority agreement with trading standards. We're the only operator that has those. Mm. So we're the one that's set in the bar. We're currently taking on a lobbyist um, to um, lobby the government within changes within the the industry and uh, we do believe there is some changes that need to be made within law and there are also some changes that have been made that actually aren't helping the industry. Hmm. If anything, they're causing a lot of one, one park operators to land bank yeah. You know, and that's the, the killer of all societies, mm. to land banks. What's the point? Exactly. Mm. But the government cannot see some of the laws that they're bringing in place or looking to implement are causing land banks. Yeah. And we've seen this. Um, we own parks in North Carolina in America. Right. And um, we've seen this there, where all of a sudden there is no investment going into the parks because... There is no commercial gain mm. for the operator. Yeah. And let's not kid ourselves. A mobile home park is a home. It's a village where people live, mm. but it's also a commercial business. Of course. So that's a real balance in it. Mm. You know, keeping people happy as well as making it commercially viable. Mm. And anybody that believes that you can run a business that's not commercially viable to every administrator yeah. or bank yeah. or receiver or,
1: or go and have a hobby somewhere yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah
2: and a hobby costs you money yeah right? yeah so you know you've got to then have another commercial business somewhere else that's mm. going to fund that mm. i'm not in the business of commercial hobbies
0: mm. Mm.
1: so there's a couple of things here this is great because of most of the questions i think we'll just end up having a chat about this um why then do you live in fear in business? Why, you know, what you said, I think you said you sort of um, were fearing tomorrow almost. Why? Listen,
2: I live in the real world where, where changes can happen from unforeseen events. Let me put it to you another way. Interest rates um, are, I believe, at 0.75%. Is that the, that's the like base that, rate? Yeah. That's the base rate, I believe, at the moment. Unheard of. Mm. Yet they've been in that position for the last, you know, five years or longer. And, you know, if you said to me, what do I believe is a fair interest rate? It's 5%. Yeah. I it's think the long-term
1: average is something like five or six, isn't it? You know, so I that's mean, normal.
2: That's what I believe to be normal. Yeah. If you said that to somebody now that's just bought a house, they'd mm. actually think I was mad. Yeah. But I've been in, um, in business when interest rates... We're 15%.
0: Mm.
2: And I'm fairly, listen, I'm reasonably young when it comes to, I'm 48 years old. So Mm. when you talk about businesses of this caliber and our business is the largest in its sector. Yeah. um, uh, And we're a young business. We're 17 years old. It's really, it's it's a baby. Mm. It's a teenager. (laughs) So we, of course, we live in fear. Mm. Look, Brexit now that's going on. I just bought a new helicopter and we need that to be able to get around the parks. We've got 75 parks throughout the country. Um, Due to the Brexit, the uh, rate with the Euro has
0: collapsed Mm.
2: and that has cost me an extra 200,000 Euros. So that's a small point of how it can affect.
0: Mm.
2: We don't know. And now, our Prime Minister doesn't seem to have the backing of uh, of uh, front benches and back benches. Yeah. I've got to be honest with you, I'm a fan of Theresa May mm. because she's taken on a job that, no, that the other guy asked for and then didn't want because he got the answer that he didn't like.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I'm sorry, you were voted in actually to act in the interest of the public, mm. which is the UK, not... Throw your toys out of the pram because you didn't get what you want. Yeah. So where, I think Theresa May gets a lot of backflack mm. for an issue that she didn't create, which she is actually looking to try and solve. Yeah. And I think there needs to be more people that are backing her. Mm.
1: So we'll come to that in a minute. So you've talked about. Some of your fears that drive you, re- the reality of the world and business, but clearly you haven't let the fear cripple you. And I do see a lot of people—they're watching Brexit. They just let everything cripple them. Because I mean, look—you can fill your head with a lot of negative fuel every day yeah, if you want you to. So how do you, you how do you let the fear drive you rather than cripple you?
2: Okay, fear will exactly do that. It will cause you to descend or it will cause you to climb. The decision is yours. Mm. My fears push me. Yeah. Because it drives me to get up early in the morning, enjoy what I'm doing. I feel like a Premier League football player going out to play a game of football Mm. because I eat it with a spoon. Mm. You know, negatives are bad. They're very bad. But only it's you that makes them bad. Mm. A problem is only a problem. When you cannot find a solution mm. the moment you find a solution you've become enriched you've become a better business person you've actually become a better person because you've gained that knowledge through experience and what is it the deepest cuts are what carve us mm. it's those life doesn't mold you yeah life cuts pieces out of you
0: mm.
2: and uh, and it's up to you at the end of your journey if you've become a masterpiece, or whether you've become a misshapen, misconstrued bent within life. Mm. Now for me, my fears drive me forward because it's the fear of going bust. It's the fear of failure. And I turn those fears to positives because I understand what my negatives are. And if I can't do something, we make sure that we have somebody in our team that can.
1: Mm. And how did you develop that mindset? Was it something that was always in you? Or was it just growing your business as you realised if you wanted to grow a business and be successful, you had to develop that mindset?
2: I try to simplify things. And there are winners and there are losers. Believe it or not, both are successful. Mm. But one is more successful. And I simplify it by thinking of it as a boxing match. If you want your hand held high, you've got to give more. Mm. You've got to fight more. You've got to push more. You've got to be smarter. You've got to unravel the puzzle of how that other fighter boxes. Mm. If you can do that, you've put yourself in a better position to be able to win that match. Mm. And also, the preparation of training. Yeah. You know, take, for instance, Tyson Fury, you know. What a story. Basically got knocked out. Got knocked out on the canvas.
1: Cold. And, First five seconds, cold. And, Never seen anything like it.
2: And then he looked like he just raised up. Yeah. To me, that's the positivity of success. Mm. Because if he hadn't have had that gut to push forward, Yeah. You would never have heard the success stories now mm. of how did he come back yeah. from that?
1: That's 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 a story of a winner. Mm. You've got a boxing background, haven't you? Have you? And do you think that in any way has helped you? You know, deal with business in a more successful way.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say that. What I would say is, it's just that I take the simple attributes of life and compare them to a complicated situation. Mm. You know. You're on a boat, and the boat's sinking. You see 30 people running around. Well, the first solution is fix the
0: hole.
2: Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Fix the bloody hole. Mm. Simplify things. Yeah. By keeping it simple, life is simple. Mm. And it's up to you to do that. I sit with many different people that can absolutely make a Big Mac sound complicated. <laughs> and I sit to somebody else and they go, that's cheese and a beef burger. You know, I want to sit with the people that simplify it mm. and let the solicitors deal with the uh, intricate mechanisms of the crossing the I's and dotting the T's because yeah. that's what they're being paid to do.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that because um, I've become really good friends with Gerald Ratner over the last few <laughs> years. Um, and he, I, I, had a, I had a few hours with him a couple of days ago And he says, make everything really complicated. I like them managing the numbers, but really, I just like me to make the decision. I go and make the decision and then ask questions later. And he, he has very much a beg for forgiveness rather than ask for permission mentality. And you just reminded me of that. I don't quite think you answered yet the question on whether you think entrepreneurs are born. Or made? Well, like any good politician, I was avoiding <laughs> yeah, the question. Yeah, so are entrepreneurs born or made? Are entrepreneurs born or made?
2: I think, uh, and this is not a cop out, I think it's both. Yeah. I think we can all teach ourselves to um, become more, but entrepreneurs are natural risk takers they're calculated risk takers mm. they weigh the pros and the cons up and they're gamblers but calculated gamblers yeah and that's an entrepreneur and i think that's something that's within but of course you can always nurture mm. even the smallest flame some of us are born like bonfires and some of us are born as a spark yeah Bonfires normally burn out. (laughs) Yeah. Sparks normally get fanned if they're fanned correctly. Mm. And they can then turn into a bonfire. Yeah. Remember, life isn't a sprint, life is a marathon. Mm. And it's about you, you know, bringing in those sprints within your marathon when you need it. Mm. Then you slow down, you take a rest, take a breather, reconvene, and then sprint again. Yeah on those times that you need to.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't think your answer was a cop-out, actually. I really agree with you. And I've kind of gone full circle on this. I think when I was in my mid-20s, I had a pretty negative view on life. I was a bit downbeat. I was a struggling artist. I was in quite a lot of debt. And I just thought I was a complete victim and the world was against me. And I was the most unlucky person that that had ever been born. And that was my glass half empty reality. And then I sort of turned things around. I did a lot of personal development courses, the American ones, Tony Robbins and all that lot. And that really injected me with some positivity. But then I went the other way and I was all like, whoa, everything's great. You know, I love life. And, you know, and then crying in the background, you know, like a lot of people are on social media now. Look at me and then depressed in the background. Um, And having kids, I think, taught me that um, because I. I thought with my kids I'm going to raise an entrepreneur Um, and I thought that any kid of mine would be born um, and raised an entrepreneur Uh, and I've got two kids, a son and a daughter and they're both completely different. It's like you took every personality trait that exists, cut them in half, my daughter got half, my son got half Um, and with my son you can't push him and with my daughter you have to hold her back and so I realised in them there are certain traits that absolutely were born in their DNA I'm convinced. But at the same time, I also see that they can be shaped and molded and guided. And Ariana will need holding back, and Bobby will need gently but not too hard pushing forward. So I think I don't think it's a cop out. I think it's I actually think that's the right answer. It's a, a balance of both.
2: I I I gave I a, uh, uh, a, uh, I don't know if you call it a speech or whatever you'd call it, uh, or a talk on the um, one of those motivational shows uh, where, where on the last one that Les Brown did in Westminster. Yeah. And I watched a number of people that didn't do it for me. I'll be really honest with you. And they come across, it was learning somebody how to swim who actually couldn't swim. And that I don't agree with. Hmm. You know, but there was another guy who came on there I was really impressed with him because he summed it up to me. Some people are better athletes than others and some people are better trainers than others
0: mm.
2: now I used to I used to box then my son boxed, and I then took a coaching course and became a coach and I was the absolute most dynamic amateur boxing coach you'd ever want oh, you know it took over my life yeah but I wasn't a good coach mm. the reason I wasn't a good coach I was actually reliving my boxing through my son and through the other um, boys that I was training in the club. Mm. That's not a good coach. That's a good coach needs to be standing back as a teacher Mm. and not taking the glory, Mm. you know, and oh, didn't I do well by teaching you how to throw that right hand? Yeah. No, 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 you threw the right hand, you helped him nurture to do it. Mm. Um, And if I went back, coaching which I would love to do at some point but again uh, my business has to come first. Yeah. The um the, the I would take a different view on it. Mm. Again I learned there.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah it's um an intriguing debate. On the other side of it though because I think some people may think they haven't got the required skills. And until a doctor gets some genetic chromosome code out or shows me a microscope and he goes through the chromosome and says, well, there's the entrepreneur DNA. So conversely, I don't think there's entrepreneur DNA or world number one goal for DNA. I think there's probably latent talent um, and maybe some genetics, like if you want to do basketball and you're six foot eight, that's probably a bit of an advantage. But that talent has to be nurtured, matured, developed.
2: Well, I learned, I learned something. It took me a long time to understand it. Everybody has a success, Gene. Mm. Everybody. They don't have to be an entrepreneur. I'm only successful because I have a phenomenal managing director. Mm. I'm only successful because I have a phenomenal estates director, a phenomenal planning director. Those people came together. They feed off of me. I feed off of them. And it is solely and wholly... Those attributes, as well as yourself, mm. as well as yourself, um, that that make success. Success isn't just being an entrepreneur. You need many many other traits. There was a study that I watched on uh, on the television, and it was about who makes the best business people. Is it a manager or an entrepreneur? After they'd either sold out or the business had gone. Um, Mm. And what they found was the entrepreneurs were risk takers and they would take the calculated risks and go for it. Mm. The manager would be more reserved and well that's a bit too much, we're not pushing the boat out so far. So then by not doing that it stifled the business Mm. and their businesses failed through risk diverse Mm. Being risk diverse, do you follow yeah, yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And all of those things, and that's a that's a big balance in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I found entrepreneurs often make terrible managers Oh. because okay. we're so chaotic and our oh, big picture, and then managers, like you said, often make bad entrepreneurs. I'm a terrible manager.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm not a very good manager at all. Mm. Um, I, you know, uh, with the teams that I have within the businesses that I have, I genuinely believe they complement. There are, You know, we have bad apples yeah. in, in, our, in, in our business. Of course we do,
0: mm.
2: you know, but it isn't about the bad apple. It's only the bad apple at that time. Yeah. It's about actually nurturing them sometimes through a bad face. Mm-hmm. And that's what a good business
0: does.
1: Mm. It's funny, there's this phrase that I think the Brits love and the, the sort of success story and they make it on TV that they love that I, I think your ethos challenges and i disagree with and there's all these people saying oh it's all about being self made you're self-made you're self-made well i'm not self-made i've got 80 staff you've got a load of staff here without them i would be nothing uh, and so i don't want people to think it's all about i've got to do it on my own i've got to start from nothing i've got to be self-made i've got a great md without her <sighs> they'd be running around like an idiot
2: yeah but i think you're selling yourself short and the reason i think you're selling yourself short is you're the one that pulled them together. Mm. You're the one that saw that spark. Yeah. You're the one that fanned that flame. There is... The only thing that I would agree with you with is you have to make a decision of whether you're a boss or a leader.
0: Yeah.
2: And they are too And what's complete. the difference? Wow. A boss tells you what to do. Right, yeah. A leader stands in front and takes the bullet in his chest for mm, you mm. if it comes to it. Yeah. You know, a leader fights with you. Mm. Leader doesn't direct you.
1: Yeah. That's the difference. Mm, yeah, and I guess... I guess the journey, ideally, is, is move from boss to leader. Um, when I first started in business, I did it because I wanted to work for myself because I was terrible at being told what to do. And the biggest delusion I had for a good few years in business was that people worked for me and they should do what I tell them. And like, I only ever really grew as a business person when I completely let go of that. I work for them. And they don't work for me. They work for themselves. Okay, I might be paying them, but they don't work for me.
2: What I would say is, is this. That we, when we do an interview here, somebody comes into our business, we ask them, what's the most important thing in the business? And Most people say, team. Okay. That's a thumbs up. That's a yes. Mm. What's the second most important thing? Oh, suppliers. What's the third? Well, the directors. What's the fourth? Well, the property where you work from. Mm. Okay. So they're the most important things in the business. What's the most important thing that you pay first? They all say, "Well, your team, because without your team, you don't have a business." Mm. Okay, so the team are the most important, and they're the most important to be paid first. Yes, who's the second? Second, suppliers. Third, directors. Fourth, mortgage or business rates. Mm. Okay, you go to another. The most important thing is the team. The most important thing to pay is the mortgage or the business rates, or where you trade from.
0: Mm.
2: And they all go, well, how does that work? Because if you think anything of your team and you want to nurture your team, you want to give them a job for life,
0: mm.
2: not for a month, because you don't pay that, the business closes. Yeah. They're out of a job next mm. month. A second, and all of your team should be transparent about what the goals are of the business. Yeah, The business has a goal everybody needs to know what that goal is and what the policy is mm. now our goal is very simple we want to be the world's largest residential mobile home park operator in the world yeah without not well we will be we won't be no that's our goal
0: mm.
2: now let's do a business plan yeah to see how we can get there we've done it mm. 5 years we will be the world's largest. Yeah. At the moment, there are some giants in America. We believe that we'll overtake them. Mm. And we will. Yeah. Second, what our policies are. Our policy here is yes. Policy is yes. Whatever a resident wants, the answer starts with yes. And we'll we'll try that. Mm. You can try you can be a resident, and you can try us. A resident rings up here, whatever. They want, it starts with a yes. Now, they may not like how we get to yes. But the answer is yes. For instance, let's say a resident brings up, we want new CCTV cameras. We want new roads. We want this. We want that. You know, you're entitled to do it because you own the site. And we're the answer is yes. But there will need to be a rent increase to cover the cost of this. Well, why should we do that? when you own the park? Well, because you're benefiting from it because you live on the park. For us, there is no benefit. We're not looking to make a profit, but what we are looking to do is cover our cost to do it for your benefit.
0: Mm.
2: And when it's explained, most people understand that there needs to be a commercial exercise to it.
1: Mm. So let's change subject slightly. Mm -hmm. Um, You left school pretty young. And you got into business pretty young. Um, Do you want to just talk us through that journey? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm uh, a Roman gypsy. So
2: when you use the phrase born on the side of the road, it has this magical poor feel to it. I I swear to you, it's it's only now when I look back, I realise how financially poor we were. Spirit rock. Wise and, you know, childhood-wise. I had a magnificent childhood. Mm. We were rich beyond belief. Mm. Um, but, you know, financially, not quite as much. But I didn't realise that. Nah. I didn't know that. You know, when people use, oh, my God, we were poor. If you were really poor, you didn't know it. Mm. You didn't know it because you didn't know any different. You didn't know any different. Yeah. So I didn't think we were poor. You know, we had a fire outside. Um, you know, where we would cook the meat on a, an open fire outside, on the grass verge. I didn't think that was poor. I actually thought that was normal. Yeah. You know, um, but then obviously I went to went to work with my dad. I went to school, you know, periodically. Um, and um, uh, th- there's quite a funny story actually. I went to school for about three weeks to this one school in Cambridge and we pulled onto a place called Cambridge Fair. And my mum made me go to school when I was about eight or nine. So I went to school and I'd get beaten up by the kids in the school for being a traveller that lived on the on the on the field. Mm. And then I'd come back and get beaten up by the travellers <laughs> because I was going to a gorgeous school. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. sometimes doomed. You, you, yeah. you, you know, you, you're damned if you do, yeah. if you're damned yeah. if you don't. But Again, you take the good out of that. Mm. And do you know what that learnt me? It doesn't matter what you are, who you are. If people perceive you as different, they only want to make you weak by their own injustices. Mm. And it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, and that's through their own uh, self-doubt are their own self-doubt. Um, I went to work, obviously, with my dad, and we went out tarmacking. I was knocking on doors um, from the age of 10. Wow. Um, and, you know, did I… Did you enjoy doing that? Did I enjoy doing it? Um, that can be soul-destroying, you know, having the door slammed in your face, being… Um, I don't believe in racism. I actually don't think it exists. I think it's a made-up word for some do-gooder. But I do believe in abuse. Mm. I do believe in abuse, and I think there's a lot of it. Yeah. And as a traveller, going to the door and being mentally abused, for instance, you've been asked, excuse me, madam, would you be interested in having your drive resurfaced? You're not one of those gypsies, those dirty gypsies that live down the road, are you? Um, that's a mental profound... Mm. And you have to say, don't be silly. Of course we're not. What, those dirty? Oh, no, don't be silly. You imagine the profound effect. And when people say to me, how would you describe being a traveller? And there is a very simple explanation. We are black men in a white man's skin. Right. Does that make sense? Mm. Because if you're black, You have no choice, but of course I'm black. Do you understand? Mm. Whereas a gypsy, you're not, you're a white man. There is no physical difference. Mm. It's actually a bloodline and a way of life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, So that effect causes you to hide your identity because it's damaging to you making a living. Mm. And it wasn't only in, 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 sorry, so I went through life pretty much canvassing up until I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. And then I started my own real business, which was um, car trading or van trading. And I, I realised that if you went and bought a Land Rover in central London, it was worth more in Wales. Because there was a much better use for it. Whereas if you bought a minivan in Cheshire, and I'm using that, you'd find that had more use in central London. So you could make a small profit, 100 pounds, 50 pounds, by buying them from one part of the country, delivering them to another, and then reselling them because there was more of a, a use for that yeah. type of vehicle yeah. than what there is. But if you take a 50cc scooter, that has a fantastic use in central London, Take it to the middle of Wales, they would laugh at you. Yeah. Do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Dude, so yeah. it's about finding your market. Yeah, That learned me a lot. Mm. So I then did really well. Did You know, I was flying. I Ooh. thought, you know, there's no stopping me, because I was also a workaholic. But I wasn't a workaholic. I just loved what I did. Mm. So when I got up, I wasn't working. Yeah. I'm not working when I come to work now i might be really busy and run off my feet but i'm not actually working i'm i'm playing i'm coming to work with a you know i've got more bounce than zebedee you know i'm just there for the for the ride Mm. um i then bought my first um van rental center purchased the freehold 18 and i'd saved up twenty five pound and a hundred thousand pound mortgage Filled the site. I was flying. I then bought a house for half a million pounds at a £300,000 mortgage. And at this time, I was 20. And that was 1990.
1: Wow, with inflation, that's a lot of money now, isn't it? (laughs) So I was
2: absolutely, I bought a brand new Porsche.
1: Hmm.
2: I was just, I was, wow, I was, you know, I I was the man. Yeah. I was the man. But I wasn't experienced. Yeah. And... The 1999 2000 recession set in. Interest rates were at 12 and a half, 13, 14 percent. And it was as if somebody put a fence around the business and said, Toxic, Mm. don't enter. Right. And that's what business happened. Mm. I had a murmur, 20 years old, collapsed across the desk, a heart murmur. Yeah. Yeah, hold hold, hold, on. Because I was physically starving. I couldn't afford a £20 gas bottle to even put the... Because I had to turn the heating off. Mm. In the, it, it was that bad. So I then had to react because the banks had closed my credit cards. Banks were threatening to close the accounts. So I then moved out of my house, rented my house. That paid the mortgage. Just. Mm. And I was in that horrible saying, you may not have heard of it, called negative equity. Yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, people owed more yeah. than the value of the house. You know, they were harrowing, mm. harrowing. And would I say, I've got different scars over my body, but I carry a mental scar for what that recession did to me, mm. That so deep. I remember it vividly today.
1: Do you think that's where some of your fears that drive you in business have come from?
2: 100%. Yeah. 100%. I then broke down the car site, cleared all the vans, sold them, took a massive loft, cleared my overdraft, and rented out small sections. And all that did was barely cover the mortgages. Yeah. And through the good grace of God and sheer grit and determination, I managed to cover the mortgages. Mm. So I stayed afloat. I then slept in my car, and I then started driving around London looking for a job or for something to do. Was I going to go back cold calling? And I really didn't want to do that, but I would have done. Mm. If needs must, what is it? Have to, is a great master having to do something masters us all. Yeah. So, I didn't have money to do market research. So, I did the next best thing. I looked for a business with a queue where there were people queuing. Now, I came across two businesses. One was um, takeaways. And you always found the busy ones were next to the schools. They were thriving businesses. Yeah. And the other was mobile communications. So I begged and pleaded, and did have to beg and plead to get a job. Now you've got to understand four months previous, I'm living in a beautiful house, my own business, making circa 100 to 150,000 pounds a year, 20 years old, driving a new Porsche to now driving an escort van and getting paid 70 pounds a week mm. to basically be the T sweeper, salesman, general, all in all, at, the phone, at this phone shop. Yeah. But I learned their business very, very, very quickly. Within six to eight weeks, may even been three months, I then left, set up my own shop. How I did that, there were shops up for rent everywhere because businesses were closing. I then went to an estate agent agreed to take on a shop for a 12-month period, rent-free, but we would pay the rates. That was a good
0: deal mm, for Yeah, that. yeah. We still op-
1: is today. <laughs> yeah. We, op- a couple of cycles.
2: we opened the shop, and within 18 months, we had something like 13 stores or 14 stores. I can't remember now. We worked that business for a period of two to three years. We then sold it out to a very large telecoms company, who then in, in, in turn sold out to Vodafone.
1: Yeah. Are you allowed to disclose what you sold it for? Uh,
2: About f- about £4.5 million. Pounds, a lot of money.
1: That's great. A and, lot and, how, of money. and you're, what, 22 at this point or something? 23. Wow.
2: 23. Yeah. And then I went into commercial property. I invested that money. But before that, sorry, what I didn't tell you was I also bought all the shops on mortgages. Mm. So I'd owned the shops. But now my tenant was Vodafone. Yeah. So I turned second-rate tenants, me, into a first-rate tenant, increasing the value. Huge
1: on commercial property, isn't it? Absolutely. Where all the value is, yeah.
2: Becomes blue chip. Yeah. So I then added a third value to the commercial portfolio, Mm. as well as being paid out. Yeah. So I then started building commercial property, we still own that business to this day. Right. And we own around about 70 acres of industrial and commercial property from East London all the way up to Sheffield. Yeah. Um, and um, in about 2000, sorry, in about
0: 2000 and, what are we, 2000 and, What are we, 2018
2: now? Hmm. So about 2010, would it have been? 10? No. 2001. Year 2000. 17 years ago. Whatever that is. 2001. 2001. Yeah. We bought... um, So, sorry, that recession I spoke about wasn't 1999. It was 1990. Right, yeah. Jesus Christ, where did the years (laughs) go? (laughs) Yeah. When you're having fun. Yeah. In in 2001, I bought our first mobile home park. And since then, the business has grown. It's a business that excites us. It's a business that we feel that we are part of the key to the housing solution, chain. Mm -hmm. We're allowing people to downsize when they're not actually downsizing. What they're actually doing is moving into a home, possibly even bigger than the home they moved from, but it just happens to be a prefabricated home that's Mm. built on a chassis. Yeah, you know, and mobile homes have moved on. They started as a caravan, then became a static caravan, then became a mobile home. Now, then they became park homes. Mm. Now they've become park home bungalows. Right. So the model has moved on dramatically. Mm. Um, They're an environment where retired people are living longer, where retired people are living in a community of like-minded people. Mm. But it is still a massive fight with the council to extend those sites. But we have a massive problem here in Havering. And we have started to develop out on what we believe land already has planning permission. We've just been refused by Havering Council and they've asked us to kick 10 people off that have got their homes on that land. In a borough that can't meet its housing criteria. Mm. So, you know, it's frustrating to think that, you know, there is still a stigma attached that they can't see past their nose.
1: Yeah, mm. and I guess, well, it sounds like what you said at the start, you want to, you want to change that.
2: Of course we do. Yeah. Look, well, I, I believe that we are the face of the park home industry. Yeah. Um, I believe there is a lot further for us to go, Um, this year we did 25 million pounds worth of acquisitions, we have a further 25 million pounds ready for next year, and so on and so on. Mm. You know, our our business and the economy overall is down this year, but the difference is we're a business that was built on solid foundations. So because we're built on solid foundations, our ratio to borrowing with the bank is 20%. Yeah. Our mortgage borrowings across the board is 20%.
1: So even in a big downturn, you're not going to go past any of your restrictions or covenants, are you are not even going Such to get close? No. Well, look, yeah.
2: uh, we have an asset value within Wildcrest of £350 million. Yeah. And our borrowings are £60 million. Yeah. You know, we're very transparent about how it is because it's mm. there on Companies House to check. Of course.
1: But, is there an argument you're under leveraged?
2: Uh, is there a? More, I'd rather be under than over.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Could we be leveraged more? Mm. The mental scar that happened yeah, to yeah, me yeah. in 1990 certainly has ingrained me to don't over commit mm. um, unless it's absolutely necessary.
1: Yeah. And I suppose what that might do if there's another recession, because. I mean, look, I've not been in as, in as many cycles as you. I think you've had sort of three cycles of business experience. Yeah. Um, I'm really only in my second. Um, but we bought a lot of properties in 2008 and 2010 for next to nothing, like three-bed houses for 40, 50, 60 grand in Peterborough, which isn't the – it's not like up north. No, but um, – And so that really helped grow our business, a bit like you getting all those year rent freeze. I mean, if there would have been a booming trade at that point, you wouldn't have got all those – Shops rent-free.
2: There are so many opportunities in the UK at this moment in time for foreign investors, for foreign investors. But these opportunities are being stripped away from us within the UK. Mm. We're two too the the governments that we have in place now, and and as I go back to what I said, I'm a fan of Theresa May, not – for our governing policies, because I actually haven't seen any yet that I can actually. So say, I think we've all been so consumed with Brexit, and the pound has collapsed against the dollar, against the euro. For what? Idle talk,
0: mm.
2: idle chit
1: chat. Well, but in the last what be, two or three years, what have they actually done? We're not, we're Nothing not, we're not actually in or
2: out. It's just a hell load of. Well, we are in. We are in because we're still trading under the same yeah. tariffs,
1: you know. So a, nothing has changed other than all the
2: talk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, there's yeah. all this fear and. But, but the, 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 you know the the, the fear mongering, and I'll be honest with you, the reason I believe that people voted out was partly because of the scare tactics that David Cameron was trying to invoke. Mm. You know, he's bringing on the big guns, the President of the United States to tell him how, oh, we won't trade with you. Yeah. Do you want to know something? When you've got 70 million people in your country, are they saying nobody's going to step outside the net to do business with mm. us? Hold on a minute. I think in Europe, we're the most largely densely populated country. Mm.
1: Yeah, we, we we could have a rant about the government all day long. I'm not Did, ranting, I'm no, just no.
2: I'm stating what I believe yeah, yeah. to be facts.
1: Yeah. Do you think maybe there's just not enough private sector experience and practicality within the governments? I mean, it's obviously a a, a public sector thing. Do you think if there were a few more people in, in those positions that were a bit more entrepreneurial, that had run serious businesses, that might help? I'm...
2: I know the Prime Minister of Barbados reasonably well. She's a fabulous woman, um, one of the most dynamic people that I've met, and a straight talker. She got voted into the country that was virtually bankrupt. And within the four to five months that she's now been in power, she keeps everybody informed via the social media okay you could say that's a form of marketing but communication is key Mm. secondly um she is pro business how i come to meet her is we started to invest into barbados due to the fact that we were investing into barbados she wanted to know me Mm. she wanted to reach out and arrange a meeting and i was like wow You know, she and she said in no uncertain terms, Alfie, we want people like you investing in Barbados. Mm. You know, what I see here in the UK is we're trying to penalize
0: people Mm. for
2: investing in the UK. Yeah, get a grip. Mm. We're not big enough to manufacture and supply the rest of the world, we're a service country and a financial base hub. Mm. Don't lose sight of that.
0: Yeah,
1: okay, thank you. So, um I'm mindful that I could sp- spend all day with you. I love just, just love doing this and you've obviously got things to do. So should we move into sort of more quick fire type questions sure, far away. and, you know, you can answer them as long or as short as you want. That's up to you. Um, yes. No. S- so no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i done, yeah. Um, traditional education, i.e. school, university versus self-education, teaching yourself on the streets and stuff. Do you have a, a view on what's best? Yep. Absolutely both yeah you education gives you the tools within
2: life which are which are a guide rail of rails, so if we think about it like this, think of um, a train, you know the fastest superior train in the world that 's the top band of education mm. that's going to put you on the tracks and. And you're going to carry on as long as you use that self-taught education out there on the street is a dune buggy in the desert. (laughs) You don't know what's going to come over that other side, but you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, especially if you're driven. Mm. If you can mar the two together, Mm.
0: you've won the lottery. Yeah,
2: because you're learning from the trials and tribulations of life, but with the but, but with the self balance of knowing you're on the right track.
1: Yeah. Why do you think you've succeeded where many others have failed? What's the difference? Because I did
2: exactly that. I was self-taught. I was there in the dune buggy, flying over there. But I then realised I had to educate myself into the way the rest of the world works. Mm. But it was that muzzle, that street wit, and wisdom and craft of being a gypsy, of being a street trader, of being a hustler, added to the small amount of education that I've taken courses on. Hmm. I've taken courses on management skills. I've gone to night classes to improve my literacy. All of those things because I realise
1: you have to have both. Yeah, yeah, I love it. What's your outlook on business, if you could summarise it?
2: Business is the soul of any country. If you want your skin to blossom, you have to eat the right food. If you don't eat, you'll starve. If you eat the wrong food, your hair will fall out, your teeth will fall out. Business is the soul of any country.
0: Mm.
2: We need to nurture business more. We need to stop promising what we're going to do, but actually teach what we're going to do. Mm. Because this goes back to, if you give somebody a fishing rod, which is what we tend to do, we give people social security money. I don't agree with that. What I agree with is, hold on, there needs to be a value added to that. and We want you to take a course. And we still give you. So you have to give up five hours of your week to go and do those courses, which will give people the tools to go out there.
1: Yeah. What's your outlook outlook on life in general? Positive. Yeah.
2: Listen, how can you not be positive around me? I love life. I embrace it. I love it. I think of life like a beautiful woman. It's up to you to make sure she goes out in a positive mindset. Mm. It's up to you. To be honest and truthful and tell her that's not how it is, but this is how it is, but do you want to come along for the journey or do you want to actually suffer the moaning the groaning <laughs> of what happens within life within relationships yeah it's up to you to keep it positive
1: mm. um, hard work or smart work both graft or leverage both yeah
2: let me let me explain both you've just said Smart work or hard work, work smart, always work smart, but work hard at doing it.
1: Mm. Love it. Um, has money made you more happy? There's a lot of people in the world saying that money doesn't make you happy and those people haven't got any. You have mm. and you've also not had it. So you've had a good balance of experience in both. Has you know, being a very successful businessman worth a lot of money made you happy? Of course it has.
2: Money does make you happy because money buys you freedom. Mm. And what does freedom do?
1: Make you happen. <laughs> Amen to that. Who do you admire and why?
2: Uh, I admire my son um, because he was born as my son, which is a, uh, uh, what do they say, you know, tall trees catch a lot of wind, but he has been, he has made his own way. Mm. He owns two mobile home parks. Wow. He's now, how old is he now? Uh, he's 21. Ooh. He Turned professional as a boxer, won his first fight. Didn't want to take it any further, but went out there and did it, Mm. trained to do it. Um, He's built his first motocross track himself. Um, He's just opened up his uh, business doing um, waste disposal and uh, rubbish collection. And how could I not be privileged to have a son that's doing that where he's got most people around him saying to him, "What do you need to work for?" Yeah, so he's got that an could be a curse. Car.
0: Yeah, well it is. Mm. It is. Yeah,
2: and the hardest thing in the world is to teach somebody money is like water. If you don't know how to build a dam, you won't water your crops with it, mm. and it
1: will just pass you by. Mm. Mm. So, what's your, what would you regard as your biggest win and your worst defeat? Oh, that's a good one!
0: Wow. Okay, biggest win.
2: Financially, mentally, or physically?
1: Let's go with because this is a business podcast, and I love money too. Let's go with financially. Financially,
2: I bought a uh, a park for five million pounds. Um. And it was a phenomenal park. It's the best park that we own. Today, that park is valued, and we've owned it three years. Today, that park is valued at £50
1: million. Wow. One deal. Ten times return in three years.
2: Uh, I would say within a year. Wow. And it's made a profit on the way.
1: Mm. And did you buy it in like a downturn? Mm, Not really. No.
2: Not really. We just looked at uh, a business that had been completely overlooking Mm. by somebody else who wasn't you know, willing to put the money into it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, mm. that, that's the best financial uh, deal that we've ever done.
1: Wow. And Love it's it. real. Yeah. And then your worst defeat.
0: Worst defeat. Trust in the wrong people. The wrong people will
2: will cause a cancer in your mind. They'll drag you down, and when it goes wrong, tell you they told you so. The best people will encourage your mind, and when it goes wrong, help you get out of it.
1: Hmm. And have you learned a couple of ways to spot and filter those kind of people?
2: Yeah. Trust isn't given, it's earned. Yeah. Trust absolutely no one, and ask them not to trust you. Right. And the reason they should not trust you is if they have any worth, they won't and they'll be looking out for you. Mm. Because a good, I don't trust anybody. Mm. Do you know why I don't trust them? Because I love them. Mm. Because I think a lot of them. Because if they tell me it's right and it turns out it's wrong because I didn't take the time to check, who did I let down? Yeah. Them.
0: Mm. Because I should have checked for them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. What's the best advice you've ever been given? The easiest thing to get rid of is money. The hardest thing to get is money.
1: Love it. What's the worst advice you've ever been
0: given? Bust me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then... Two more things, and the final one will be let everyone know where you are and where we can follow you and what you do. It'd be great. Um, This podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We've got now nearly two and a half million disruptive entrepreneurs all across the globe that are subscribing um, or have downloaded the podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you?
2: Well, it depends who's asking and what context that it's put in. But uh, disruptive to me is somebody that's ruffling the feathers within the confines of how we think, which I perceive as a good thing, Mm. not as a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Great. And then where can we follow you or or what what work are you doing that you'd like to let the world know about? Um, Wildcrest Parks is
2: truly a forward-thinking company. And we are out there beating the drum, to change the housing network. And this is a big thing that I'm gonna say. Not only do we want to change it, we want to change people's lives and we are changing people's lives. We are the technology industry within the housing market. Mm. We're doing a real thing for real people. And am I passionate about it? No, I just love it so much the passion was long gone before because we don't please everybody but we're pleasing most of the people yeah and we will not be defeated by second thought mind people that still see park homes as a second rate living
0: Mm.
2: when they're still living in a house that is basically a ball and a chain around their neck that cannot free up their equity
1: And do you do social media or anything like that? Or yeah. Can we on, follow you anywhere? I'm on Twitter.
2: Yeah. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And, and what, it's what, what, Alf, AlfieBest33. Yeah,
1: right.
2: Um, and look, I'd love people to follow us. Yeah. And anything that we... And people message me all the time for mm-hmm. advice. Yeah. There is something that I would like to add. Yeah, please. Not only is it a pleasure being here, and I want to thank you for thank coming you. into the offices, you don't actually realise, or maybe you do, how much good you're doing out there for people that are watching and looking to start their business. What you're doing is giving them something. Because as I go back to, some people are just bonfires out there waiting to burn out. Others are just a simmering spark that just need that fan of flame. And you're doing that every day. You need more credit for that. And that's not a cop-off of me giving you a a, a build-up. That's how I genuinely see it. Mm. You know, by fanning that, you're creating the next Bill Gates. You're creating the next Richard Branson. Because they're there, and they just need that little bit of...
1: Thank you. That's a lovely way to end and lovely thing to say. Really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us in your offices. Pleasure's always been mine. seeing all your empires. Um, Yeah, Alfie, thank you very much. Pleasure's mine. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, great. Great. Thank you very much, Alfie. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.